Good morning, everyone. Good to be back with you today. This is Pastor Tommy McMurtry of the Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. Appreciate you tuning in this morning. Hope we can be a blessing to you today. And if you'd like to ever come and give us a visit, we'd love to have you. Our services uh, every Sunday, 10 o'clock Sunday school, 11 o'clock morning service, Sunday evening, 6 o'clock. We would love for you to be a part of that. We have Wednesday evening Bible study at 7 and also, if you'd like to learn more about our church, go visit our website, experience-liberty.com. And uh, we would love if you'd do that. Uh, love it if you could email us and contact us. Let, you know, uh, let us know what you think about the program. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or subject matter you'd like for us to deal with on this program. We'd love to do that. And then also something we started last week that... Um, so far, I'm by popular demand, we are going to keep going with this. I told a couple jokes last week that um, I, I guess some folks thought were funny, and they would, they wanted me to continue doing that. I had a few people give me some jokes that they would like me to do, and uh, I've never had any anybody compliment me on my joke telling before. I've usually been told it's pretty bad, but uh, I like to try to have fun and. I like telling jokes, especially to people early in the morning. I don't know why I like to do that, but um, I guess it's because people are grumpy in the morning, and some of you might be kind of grumpy right now. And so maybe this will help you out. Maybe this you'll appreciate some of these. It'll put a smile on your face, get you in a good mood. I don't know. But the first one I want to tell you, this one was given to me by John. He told me this one this week, wanted me to share it with you all, so I'm going to share it with you right now. But there was a Catholic a Pentecostal, and a Baptist all in the same boat fishing together. And while they were fishing, the Catholic said, You know what? I remember something I left in the car. I'll be right back. And the Catholic steps out of the boat onto the water, walks across the water to the shore, goes into the car, walks right back across the water, and gets into the boat. And that Baptist boy, he's sitting there thinking, Wow! That man has a lot of faith. He's able to walk on water. You know, that's really something. And then all of a sudden the Pentecostal, hey, you know what? I had some food I left in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get it. I'll be right back. And sure enough, he steps out of the boat, walks across the water, and goes to the car, gets what he needs, walks right back. And that Baptist is sitting there. Man, if the Catholic and the Pentecost have this much faith, surely I can walk across the water too. And so he decided, you know what? I'm going to try he says a little prayer before he steps out, and then he goes, Hey, guys, i got to run to the car. I'll be right back. And he goes and takes one step out of the boat, and down into the water he goes. And all of a sudden, the Catholic looks at the Pentecostal and he says, Do you think we should tell him where the stones are? Hey, uh, I thought that was pretty good. I, I thought it was funny, but uh, not everybody appreciates a good joke. Hope somebody's laughing out there. Uh, well, let's try this one here and see what happens. <clears throat> one Sunday morning, the pastor noticed little Alex was staring up at the large plaque that hung in the foyer of the church. The plaque was covered with names and small American flags were mounted on either side of it. The seven-year-old had been staring at the plaque for some time, so the pastor walked up and stood beside him and said quietly, Good morning, Alex. Good morning, pastor, replied the young man, still focused on the plaque. Pastor, what is this? Alex asked. Well, son, it's a memorial to all the men and women who have died in the service. Soberly, they stood together, staring at the large plaque. Little Alex's voice was barely audible when he finally managed to ask, Which one? 
the 9 o'clock or 10.30 service. I tell you what, folks are hard to please, but hopefully somebody out there thought that was funny, and hopefully somebody got a smile on their face because of that. Maybe maybe I made you in a worse mood. Hopefully I didn't lose anybody. But anyway, well, this morning, I want to go ahead and get into the message right now, and we're going to speak on the subject of idolatry this morning. Idolatry in 1 John chapter 5 in verse 21, the very last verse, and we're going to look at some more verses in that in a little bit. But First John, the whole book, is written so we may know that we have eternal life. It's written in there telling us things so we can know that we're saved. I believe you can know you're saved. And First John tells us how you can know you're saved. And First John it goes through all these things uh, about how you can know you're saved. And then all of a sudden, when you get to the end of the book, in verse 21, you know it says, Little children... Keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourself from idols. It seems to just kind of be thrown in there, keeping yourself from idols. And I think there's a good reason that's in there. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But idolatry, it is it is a huge problem. Um, I, the definition, very definition of idolatry, it's the worship of idols, images, or anything made by hands or which is not God. Idolatry is of two kinds. The worship of images, statues, pictures, etc. made by hands, or the worship of the heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and stars, or of demons, angels, men, and animals. It can also be excessive attachment or veneration for anything or that which borders on adoration. And I tell you, I believe in America that we don't all often see ourselves as idolatrous people, but we are a very idolatrous people right here in our very own country. I want to read a couple stories to you. Some of you might remember some of these events, but I think these are good reminders of really just how idolatrous our society is. But, uh, well, the first one um, that I want to read about is the Virgin Mary accounts for a substantial number of sightings uh, of this type. There are many different sightings and things that people have seen where they'll see an image of Jesus or an image of the Virgin Mary. And a typical example is in Clearwater, uh, the Clearwater Virgin is what it's known as, where an image of Mary was reported to have appeared in the glass of a financial building in Clearwater, Florida. And it attracted widespread media attention. The building drew an estimated 1 million visitors over the next several years. And finally, the uh, window was purchased by an Ohio Catholic revivalism group. Now, a million people came to look at a hunk of glass that looked like it had an image of the Virgin Mary in it. And you tell me that's not idolatry? That's idolatry. I mean, people, they travel long distances to see things like that. Just images that look like something. And then one, I remember this one. Some of you might remember this one. This was just in Chicago. But uh, I'll read the story to you. It was in the newspaper, but it says, Abdulia Delgado turned toward the on-ramp of the Kennedy Expressway when she saw something in the middle of traffic that made her stop. She saw the image of the Virgin Mary in a large yellow and white stain on the concrete wall at Fullerton Avenue entrance last week. I was so stunned I couldn't move. People were honking, said Delgado. It was a dream. I don't even know how I got home. By Monday morning, dozens had gathered to see what they believed is the image of the Blessed Mother on the wall of the underpass. Groups of people filtered past the site all day. 
some lighting candles and leaving flowers, and others praying the rosary. Most snapped pictures with digital cameras and cell phones. To some who saw it, the image appeared as a white outline of the Holy Mother's face wearing a shadowy cloak. To others, it looked like an ivory pawn from a game of chess. As believers came to the spot throughout the morning, the police put up temporary barricades to pre prevent people from driving and parking in the area on the north side of Fullerton Avenue. Delgado said she'd been praying for the Virgin Mary to help her pass a final in culinary school when she saw the image. There are many people who believe in her. She's here for a reason, she said. For me, it's not a watermark. It's the Virgin Mary. Now, first of all, are we even supposed to be worshiping Mary? Absolutely not. But second of all, it was a watermark. And, and it is ridiculous how excited people got. I remember seeing it all over the news. You tell me that we don't live in a very idolatrous society when people can see a watermark. And you know what? I, I looked at some pictures of that watermark. And you know what? It, it didn't really look that much like Mary. And you know what I noticed on one of the pictures of that watermark? Right next to the watermark written on the wall in graffiti said, Go Cubs. And you know what? Maybe if the Cubs would have won the World Series that year, I might have believed there was something to it. But you know what? They didn't. You know why? Because it wasn't anything. It was just a watermark. And people are always looking for some kind of sign. And you know the Bible still says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. People don't want to just believe the Word of God anymore. And that's what we're supposed to do. And idolatry, it's not a new thing. It's a very old thing. In fact, I believe... Uh, it goes all the way back to Cain. But idolatry, it begins with a lack of faith in something that can't be seen. And what happens many times is we try to replace faith in God, that, in a God that we can't see, with something that we can see. Like the children of Israel, remember what they did with the golden calf? Not long after seeing the Red Sea part, after all the miracles that they saw, finally... When they got there and they're around Mount Sinai, they decided, you know what, let's make a golden calf. And we'll say that this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. They weren't content to worship a God they couldn't see. They had to make an idol similar to one that was in Egypt where God defeated all their gods. The place where God delivered them, they brought that with them. Absolutely ridiculous. But like I said, idolatry goes all the way back to Cain when he brought the fruit of the ground. The work of his own hands. People have a hard time believing in something that they cannot see. People judge right and wrong many times based on circumstances or outcome, but almost never on what God says. People, people That's where the whole ends justify the means. Well, if it turns out good, that's a sign that it was right. No, if it's against the word of God, it's always wrong. And I want us to uh, look at an example in the Bible. I think, I think Gideon is a great example of somebody who really had a very idolatrous mindset. Like I said, idolatry, it is very common in our own society today. I was knocking doors one time, inviting people to church. And uh, me and a friend of mine, he's now in heaven. We were knocking doors. And a lady came to the door. We got to talking to her. And we asked her a question. You know, she, We asked, said, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? And this lady, she invited us into her house, and inside her house, everywhere you looked, were pictures of Jesus. She had pictures of Jesus. She had statues of Jesus. 
We're there in her living room, and it's just Jesus stuff everywhere. She takes us into the kitchen, and she shows us her table where she sits and eats breakfast every morning. And right across from her seat is a picture of Jesus. And she said, you, I, you see this? I sit there, and I talk to him every morning. And I said, wow. I said, but was there ever a time when you... You know, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross for salvation. And then she takes us into the bedroom and there's Jesus' stuff everywhere in her bedroom. And she shows us right across from her bed, the first thing she sees in the morning is Jesus. She's showing us all these idols is what we were looking at, folks. Those statues that you have, those pictures, those are not Jesus. Those are idols. And it is amazing how many people will take those things and worship them and focus on them and it, you know those things build their faith and our faith is not in idols we are not to make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven okay we believe he's in heaven we're not supposed to make likenesses of him we can't do that we're just bring, we're bringing christ down when we try making images of him and and there are many scriptures we could go to that shows that that is something that is completely forbidden in the word of god something that we should not do but unfortunately we're a very idolatrous society so we do it anyway most people do exactly what they want to do but gideon he was somebody that i believe struggled with it and the story of gideon's a great story you're probably familiar with most of it but the children of israel during this time they were in the midst of a, a lot of difficulties uh, during that time when god called gideon things were getting pretty bad they'd forgotten what god had done for them in egypt and they disobeyed God, and God allowed the Midianites to come in and take over Israel. And coincidentally, it had been about 250 years since God had delivered them from Egypt. And you know, it's been around close to that time since God delivered us from England. And you know, we better not forget God. We better obey His voice. But Israel forgot God, and they were allowed to be taken over by the Midianites. But idolatry, it was, it was a great sin. It, the Jews constantly committed it throughout their history. And it was something that never went unpunished. And at this time, this was one of the times that Israel was partaking in that sin of idolatry. And before God could use Gideon, God needed him to get rid of the idols that were in his father's house. In Judges chapter 6, we're going to spend a lot of time in Judges chapter 6 if you're following along with your Bibles. But in verse 25, it says, And it came to pass the same night, that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, what, who hath done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. 
And of course, they did, Gideon ended up not being killed. His father stood up for him. But before God could use Gideon, he needed them to get rid of those idols. And you know, I believe many people today, they need to go through their house and they need to destroy some idols. Oh, but you don't understand. They're, you know, they're statues. They're, they're pictures of Jesus. No, they're not. They are not of Jesus. That you, you don't know what he looks like. And I can promise you this. He doesn't look like one of these long-haired hippies that they portray him as in most of these pictures and statues. That's not what he looked like. The Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. So why would Jesus have done that? Why would he have violated one of his own rules? It says nature itself teaches that. You need to break those things down. You need to destroy them. You need to get rid of it. Some churches need to go through their churches and they need to get rid of these idols. They shouldn't be there. We need revival in this country and we need to destroy our idols. And even though Gideon, though, he removed these material items from his father's house, Gideon still had a problem with idolatry in his heart. Gideon's problem with idolatry, it's the same as many Christians today. It was, it was evident by his lack of faith in God's word and his desire for a sign. We just don't want to believe in anything that we can't see. And many people today who they figured out, okay, yeah, that I guess that not making any likeness thing, uh, God was pretty serious about that. Not making any graven image, uh, God was serious about that. We're not supposed to do that. So we look for other things, and many times we look for signs, and we want to we want to see something. And Judges six twelve says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He got a message from the Lord there, but he didn't believe it. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why is all this befallen us? Look at what's going on around us. And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He doubted the angel of the Lord when he said the Lord was with them. Instead of just believing the message, he looked at everything else around and he made his judgments simply on that and that's what most people do they look at results you know they'll to figure out you know which church is telling the truth well it must be the one with the biggest crowd it must be the one with the fanciest building you know what people are you know god pleased with are they the ones with the most money are they the ones with the nicest cars that's the things that we often look at why because we're idolatrous we want to see something and just instead of looking at what the bible spells out very plainly and very clearly and Gideon had a message from the Lord that God was with him, but he didn't believe it because of the circumstances. And then verse 14 says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He's thinking about himself instead of thinking about God. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. See, he still struggles with faith. Idolatrous people struggle with faith. They really have a tough time understanding that salvation, that it's by grace through faith and not of works. If you struggle with that, it's probably because you suffer from idolatry. You know, it'd be interesting, people that can't seem to figure that, go through their houses and see how many idols are in there. That kind of thing, it goes hand in hand. But verse 18, depart not, depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee. 
and bring forth my present. I, I set it before thee, and he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour and flesh he put in a basket. And he put the broth in a pot and brought it unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh of the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an offering of the Abizarites. He wanted a sign that he would smite the Midianites instead of believing the message. And he sees this miracle with the angel that happens. And that would have been a pretty neat thing to see. And you know, many people, they want signs that, for example, that they're saved. They can't accept, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They can't accept, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They can't accept, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So they want a sign. And what, or they want to work. And so they'll say, well, you have to get baptized to be saved. A work that you can do. They'll say, oh, well, I, I, now, not just a work, but I want a sign. Okay, because anybody can get baptized. So they'll add things like speaking in tongues. That is, and the speaking in tongues that's going on in churches today doesn't even resemble what we see in the Bible. And we'll talk about tongues another day. But that is a sign that people are looking for because they're not willing to obey the Scriptures. And so they feel like if I start muttering in some unknown tongue, then I, I, that's a sign that I'm saved. Not willing to just believe the Bible. And finally, we're not going to take time to read all of it, but how many remember the story of Gideon laying out the fleece? He said, you know, in verse 36, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. Lord, if, if you're going to do what you said, I, I'm going to lay this fleece out, and if it will be wet on the fleece and dry on the ground, then I'll know that you're telling me the truth. And you know what? God was merciful and he did that. But then Gideon, it still wasn't enough. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to do this again. But if it's dry on the fleece and wet on the ground, then I'll know that you're telling me the truth. And people will do that same thing to God all the time. You know, Lord, if your word is true, show me a sign. Lord, I know the Bible says that you know I, I shouldn't forsake the assembling. I ought to go to church. But Lord, if you want me to go to church today, you know I need a sign, and I need the sign of seventy-two degree weather. You know, not too windy. Uh, you know, not too sunny. Just perfect weather, and then I'll know that it's what you want me to do to go out. Or we'll come up with just some goofy things. You know, Lord, if I wake up on time Sunday morning, you know that's a sign you want me to go. I mean, just crazy things instead of just doing. What God said to do. And people look at this story and say, isn't it amazing how God did that for Gideon? You know, Gideon didn't have to have faith. But listen, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. And we're not going to take time to read the entire story. But Gideon had to show some faith. He had to do it. God wasn't going to let him get away with not having any faith. And do you remember what happened after that? Gideon had an army of 30,000 men 
which was already an extremely small number compared to the army that they were about to fight. Extremely small. And God told Gideon when they got out there, we're getting ready to go fight them. You know what? I need to cut your army down. And he cut it down from 32,000 to 300. Why would God do that? Because Gideon needed to show faith. And you know what? Gideon finally stopped asking questions. He finally stopped asking for a sign. And man, the faith that it must have taken to do that. He finally learned his lesson and he quit asking for signs. And listen, folks, God, he wants you to have faith. He wants you to show faith. And you better watch out asking for these signs. Eventually, you're going to have to take that step of faith. And I think the more signs and things we get, the more of a test that we're finally going to be put to. But sometimes God's merciful and he'll give you a sign. But I believe he prefers that we just accept his word. And I believe he expects more from us than from Gideon. We have the completed word of God. So why stay away from idols? Well, first of all, we don't need them. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye might believe in the name of the Son of God. We can know that we're saved because of what the Word of God says, not because of a sign, not because of a work that we do, not because you spoke in tongues. It has nothing to do with that, not because you got slain in the Spirit, some preacher came by and smacked you in the forehead and you passed out. It has nothing to do with it. We can know because of what's written in the Word of God. First John 5.20 And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's what it says. Why did it throw that in there? Because idol, idols, idolatry, takes faith away from us. Idols get our focus off of Jesus Christ. It gets us our focus off the invisible, off the spiritual, into the physical, into the work of our own hands. We have the Word of God today. We don't need idols. We don't need signs. We don't need any of these things. Idols will only cause you to look away from the one true God. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. One of the Ten Commandments. Another one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Why shouldn't you go after idols? Because it makes God jealous. We are giving credit to something that does not deserve it. You're giving credit to a hunk of metal. You're giving credit to you know a hunk of wood or stone. The work of man's hands, they don't deserve it. God deserves all the praise. He deserves all the worship. And idols only take our eyes off of that. If, I, if we went here in Rock Falls and we said, you know what? Let's build the biggest statue in the world of Jesus Christ. 
We know we could get all kinds of tourists, religious tourists, to flock to this area to come and pray. And if we told people it was good luck to go kiss the foot of that statue, people would come from miles to do that, to have this religious experience that they could have in their own home, in their prayer closet, where God wants us to pray. They, we don't need statues. Idols would only get the focus off what we had off Christ to what we had accomplished, to our work. Look how big it is. There's the giant Jesus statue in Rio de Janeiro. It's an idol. And idolatrous people go and worship it. Idolatrous people that are on their way to hell and that need to get saved. We need to keep idols out of our life. Idols are a substitute for faith. Idols have no abilities. And they can only bring down Christ. And I just want to leave you with this challenge today. Little children, keep yourself from idols.